Hey, hey, everybody. Ooh, today is quite an interesting episode for you. I don't know why my energy has moved into a particular direction. I don't know why. I don't know how. I don't know from which this energy came. But today, we've got a few segments on for you. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about Nassim Taleb and the herd mentality, how we can use some of his strategies to break out of the herd mentality. Then I talk a little bit about domestic politics. Ooh, I talk a little bit about race. Ooh, gets a little bit uh, controversial. Then I talk about China. Then I talk about feminism at the end. I go on a tirade. I think it's worth a listen, and I think you should listen. So remember, like and subscribe on my YouTube channel at Taylor Stutch, T-A-Y-L-O-R space Stutch, S-T-U-C-H. Um, follow me on Twitter, tstutch1. Email me, tayradio1 at gmail.com, tayradio1 at gmail.com. Um, follow me on Twitter, tstutch1, and enjoy the episode. All right, guys, how is everyone doing out there? So, um... First off, let's go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, last episode, I talked about millennials being herd animals. Yeah, you know, um, I know some people might not appreciate that. And um, and like I said, in that episode, you know, boomers and Gen Xers, everybody, that's what we all are. We're all kind of herd mentality. What I want to do here is we want to break up the herd mentality. So how can we do that shit, guys? How can we break this up? I'm not sure, to be honest. I'm not 100% sure. Um, except that I know that it must be done. We must break our old habits and uh, move into a new realm of independence, financially, creatively. We got to sort our shit out, man. Anyway, um, and if you want help sorting your shit out, then I highly recommend reading uh, books like um, Nassim Taleb writes. Uh, those are, uh, in my opinion, any book written by Nassim Taleb is a great way to get started on your mission of becoming an independent thinker. Um, so one thing that I guess I'll jump off here at this point is when it comes to thinking independently and kind of the herd kind of mentality, because I've been thinking about that a bit, is this. So I think too often we're looking for um, we're looking for people to show us the pathway, the correct pathway, when in reality, and we all kind of know this to a degree, a lot of the best things that happen to us kind of they just kind of happen while we're going in a particular direction. So it's not partic- it's not really our destination. It really is the journey. On the journeys where you where you kind of veer into crazy directions and discover new things about yourself, and maybe you start something new. Um, but to break from the herd mentality is one thing that I thought about was about being right versus uh, what happens if you're right or wrong. So Taleb talks about this in his books. Um, that it's not about being right, uh, but it's about the. It's more or less about uh, the effect because you can be right and still lose everything um, in terms of trading or something like that. So the question is, what's your payoff? 
for being right or for being wrong. And that's the one big thing about or a big idea that permeates Taleb's uh, writings and thoughts is uh, first order versus second and third order thinking. So first order thinking is like your direct plan per se or what you think a stock will do or what you think a person will do. The second, third or order effects are is like the payoff. So um, you know, you think a stock will tank, um, but it tanks more than you thought, and whatever you know financial situation you set up for it did not anticipate it going down that much. Well, you were right that it was going to decline, but you were wrong by the amount of magnitude and the of the payoff of uh, of the situation could hurt you, even if you're right. So, what I wanted to focus on real quick was being right versus being ready for payoffs. So, millennials in the herd mentality, we're looking to be right too much, right? We're right, right, right. We're looking, in my opinion too much to say, okay, what is the correct answer? So what should I do? What career should I follow? What career path should I follow? What job do I need? What social, um, you know, hierarchical structure do I need to embed myself in? When really what we want to look at is um, not, am I doing the right thing, but so much are, what are my payoffs? So, and and what are my payoffs as in like what's the downsides what are the upsides so like what do i have to lose what do i have to gain so one thing i really think that would help millennials more is if instead of saying oh am i doing the exact right thing cuz this is what i battle with currently am i doing the exact right thing or do i have my life set up so that i can afford to make mistakes right so that way i can stumble around and go in the direction I want, it doesn't have to be correct, but I can kind of bump into walls and not blow up, right? I can um, make a mistake on a project. I can invest in creating a, you know, in tinkering or making a little company here or there. I can invest in those things with time and money and um, not blow myself up financially, right? And not destroy my ability to do work in the future, and I think that is one of my biggest takeaways from Nassim Taleb's philosophy is preparing yourself for the worst. So basically, instead of saying, am I taking the right path? Say, okay, I've insulated myself somewhat from the most, you know, you know, from a lot of negative situations, right? So maybe you've got some money stored away. Uh, you got a little bit of savings, you have a little bit, you know, you have a place to go if you have no money, stuff like that. So once you have and you also are willing to psychologically get there, when you can psychologically accept, you know, a screw up or not having anything psychologically, then you can afford to take risks in trying out different things you want to try. And you don't have to be right, right? Because you could be right in terms of financially, oh, you know, I made the right decision by working for this company in terms of money, but you could hate your life, right? The payoff might not be worth it. So yes, you're making a lot of money, but maybe, you know, um, you are taking on a lot of debt, you're taking on a mortgage, car payment, all kinds of other shit, and you're making a lot of money. So in certain ways, you made the right decision, but in other ways, you're very fragile. 
So I guess what I would say to people that are trying to break out of the herd mentality is first insulate yourself from uh, the negative effects of decisions. You know, uh, make sure you got some food stockpiled. Maybe not food stockpiled, but make sure you got some money stockpiled, some savings. Just make sure you've got your basic shit and needs cared for. And then from there, you can start detaching yourself from the herd behaviors, from the patterns the society wants to put you on. Because we all know that's what society wants. So um, now let's go on to the next segment. So I wanted to talk about this for a minute was the we'll, – we'll go a little bit political for a moment. So um, what's been going on this week? A couple things politically. So the Democrats are trying to impeach President Trump. Um, it doesn't look like that's going to succeed. It looks like some witnesses that they had are were never really legitimate. Uh, they didn't have enough information. And I got to be honest, I'm not surprised. So – uh, if you're listening to this and you're upset that I am not anti-Trump, sorry, that's that's just how it is. Um, I have come to the conclusion that a lot of people have severe Trump derangement syndrome, and it was so funny. I heard, I you know, I didn't watch the testimonies myself, but uh, people, this country is so divided. Uh, the people that hate Trump are. They believe everything the Democrats say. So they'll they believe that um, you know Trump colluded with Russia. They believe Trump colluded with Ukraine. They believe that Trump's taxes are going to show that I don't know what they're looking for. Um, whatever it is, they they just think Trump is literally the devil incarnated. And uh, I don't know how long this is going to last. And I don't know. Um, I just don't understand how people can get sucked in. To that line of thinking, like I get it. There's nothing wrong with being critical of the leader. In fact, I think everyone should be critical of our political leaders. I mean, you can hardly call them leaders. Most of them are absolute pieces of shit. Most of our political quote unquote leaders are garbage people. Most of them are not leaders at all. But that being said, um, there's I have no issue with people being critical of the president at all and shit talking. But it's just this stuff has gotten so out of hand, right? I mean the guy – I don't think he committed any impeachable uh, offense and I think we're going to see that by next week that there's not going to be anything that he'll, he will be able to be impeached for. What else is interesting is the stuff – the politics on the right. I might have addressed this already but there was a uh, division breaking up uh, or there was a division occurring on the right between some people that are call themselves America first and they're very concerned with demographic change. And I understand it. I, I'm not sure where what I think about it totally. Um, they are concerned about um, the uh, about white people. Uh, they're not, I guess some of them are concerned about uh, the white you know white demographic change. Um, and so my perspective on this is is a little nuanced, interesting. So inherently, I don't have any um, problem with any other races coming to the United States. There's no issue there. Uh, the problem that I have is the um, the identity politics where they say, oh, okay, 
so white people are responsible for everything bad that's ever happened. So let's bring in more, you know, people from other countries so they can hate on white people. That's the problem that I have. So if the Democrats are able to persuade new immigrant voters who are, you know, who target people for being white in order to vote in other ideas or to do certain things, that's where I think the America First um, section, like with Nick Fuentes and stuff, they have a point. Uh, there's another guy that made the point. I think it was Molyneux, Stephen Molyneux. Not a big fan of him anymore, but it is a good point. Um, you can't talk about how good uh, racial diversity is, but then tell everybody that they need to hate a particular racial group, like regardless of the group. Right. Uh, and I would like to say that if you were, you know, say, so we have a large um, Hispanic, uh, there's a large Hispanic demographic in the US. I mean, Mexican, South American, Central American. So say that demographic becomes, say, 60% of the population, 70% of the population. Then in 100 years, a new demographic from like another part of the world, let's say Asia, let's say lots of people from Asia start coming in. Right. So say the the uh, Hispanics are like, oh, we don't have a problem with that. But then a group of politicians and professors and cultural influencers say, hey, um, Hispanics are the problem in the country. Right. So then Hispanics are going to say, OK, wait, well, we don't want too many non-Hispanics because everybody who's not Hispanic believes that we're the enemy. So we can't have too many non-Hispanics come in. That is my uh, that's what I think is going on with certain groups when it comes to to um, uh, the white demographic question. Inherently, I think a lot of people, including myself, have no issue with diversity, racial diversity. What we have a problem with is when people start identifying with that race over being – over the identifying with the country. And then they use their identification with their race to attack other races, whether it be white. Asian, Hispanic, no matter what it is. That's where the problem comes in. So a lot of people that are white, even though we are still the um, majority, or probably, I mean, I don't, we might not even be the majority, but I do understand people's concern because there is a lot of anti-white rhetoric um, at the uh, lower cultural level. So when I say lower cultural level, I mean, you know, TVs, movies, music, all that stuff, a lot of that. Um, up in the higher echelons of like the people that are running the show, you know, they don't give a shit about diversity, but all of us need to have diversity. You see what I'm saying? So, um, anyway, it's just an interesting situation and people are going after like Michelle Malkin for uh, agreeing with America first. And, uh, you know, she's, uh, she's holding her own pretty good. So let's hold over for some ads and I'll be right back. Okay, so let's talk about a little bit U.S. and China. Oh my goodness, what's going on with the U.S. and China? So we all know what's going on to a degree. There's a big uh, trade war. Um, there's an article that came out today that we, everyone should pay attention to, whether or not you like this man or not. His name's Henry Kissinger, and he said some stuff that people are uh, paying attention to. He said, here's the article. Uh, this is from Market Watch. Kissinger says failure to mend U.S.-China trade relations would be worse than world wars that ruined European civilization. 
So um, Henry Kissinger, the former Secretary of State and National Security Advisor under Nixon and Ford, has the dire warnings about the inability of U.S. and China to resolve their differences on international trade. Uh, speaking at a committee, uh, Kissinger said intensifying Sino-American conflicts would potentially be worse than world wars and added that a prolonged spat could have a catastrophic outcome. The 96-year-old Bavarian-born historian and practitioner of Realpolitik, who argues that foreign policy should be based on maintaining a balance of power between nations rather than ideology, is credited with helping the U.S. resolve China differences in the 1970s. Okay, don't need to know about the history. Already know about the motherfucking history. So, uh, what did he say exactly, though? Kissinger's comments come as White House co uh, economic advisor said that negoti negotiators are getting close to an agreement, but President Donald Trump um, wasn't yet ready to sign off. Trump likes what he sees and is not ready to make a commitment. So basically, I guess what we're getting from this is that Henry Kissinger is warning that the, if the United States and China don't get their shit together, we could see big problems. Uh, so, of course, I think we all kind of agree with this. Um, I agree. I think that the U.S. Uh, – I think it's good we're playing hardball with China um, at a national level when it comes to um, you know IP theft and things like that. I, I think we should. And yeah, I mean I just – I think absolutely we should. That being said, I've said before, China's doing what China should be doing. Uh, China is trying to become – a uh, world major world power. They already are a major world power. They're trying to dislodge the United States from being number one, um, and uh, I think that they're doing exactly what they should do. And I think in the United States, we have been so uh, fat and happy for so long. We are over leveraged. We are extremely vulnerable, and uh, I do agree that if we did get into a conflict, I mean that would be horrible. Right? Like imagine if the US and China got into a conflict. We both have nuclear weapons. China has a the biggest army on earth. Um, the United States. Here's the thing that concerns me is I think our culture is so degraded. I think it's so degenerate that I do not see soldiers doing shit. So when I say that I I, you know, have the utmost respect for our men and women in military, but I read things here and there from people that are out of the military that talk about how the, the diversity and inclusion situation has gotten out of hand in the military. They say that even the high ranks of the military are people are being, you know, fired and losing their jobs over, um, you know, bullshit diversity and feminist requirements. Uh, I also think that um, one thing that's going on is – oh, for example, let's look at what happened uh, not too long ago where a U.S. – it was either a Navy pilot or an Air Force pilot made a penis in the sky and you know with the clouds, made the shape of a penis, a penis, and uh, he got in trouble and everyone was outraged. And I'm thinking like, OK, see, that's a problem. In my opinion, that shows that we are weak. We are a weak country. We are a weak civilization. We are ripe for a takeover. Um, we have no backbone. We have no cojones. We've got no T. We're low T, baby. We're low testosterone. That's what we are in the United States. And uh, as a result of that, I would say that uh, if we got into a major conflict 
with China or China and Russia combined, um, I don't know if we would win. I think we have the technology to do tremendous damage. I don't know if our people have the balls and the mental fortitude to do it because we're soft. We are a softy fucking civilization. We are soft, mushy bitches. That's what we are um, as a collective. Uh, individually, there's lots of strong people out there, but I think we have more weak people in this country than ever before. And uh, as a result of that, we're vulnerable. Absolutely. So if China, uh, if we got into a conflict with the Chinese, um, you know, what's, it's interesting to think through this situation, right? Because how would it go? Nobody knows. But uh, we both have nukes. So if we unleashed the nukes, that would be horrendous. Um, and, but I feel like we would do our best not to. I feel like we would probably um, have a couple – what I think would probably happen is China would assert its uh, dominance in certain areas of the world. So for example, I think China would kick us out of Asia. I think they would say, okay, um, so here's what we're going to do. We've Tactically, we're going to attack your bases here in Asia – we're going to kick you out of Taiwan. Um, you have no influence here anymore, right? But we don't want to go further because we don't want to have a nuclear war. So I could see China engaging in tactical um, attacks in certain places. And I could see us pretty much being like, well, what are we going to do? I mean, there's nothing we can do. We're out. I, I mean, honestly, I could see a situation where China pretty much kicks us out of the Pacific region mostly, and then um, we just have no recourse because if we push it, then it could be nuclear war. Nobody wants nuclear war. But also we are, you know, we're pretty pussified anyway. So I feel like if something happened, we'd probably just let it happen, you know. And uh, speaking of uh, pussification, let me just go on a little rant about uh, feminism for a minute. So I usually don't get maybe this controversial, but, um, you know, I just, I feel like lately I have just, maybe it's not lately, it's been for a little while. I just think that, uh, feminism is so toxic right now. Um, and I think that, how about this? I think our culture is just so feminized. Uh, and I think that's what's brought about this radical left-wing inclusion bullshit stuff about like all the trans athletes and everything is everybody is so concerned about being nice and, and equitable to everybody instead of, uh, you know, basically everybody's so concerned about being fair where, uh, where you don't need to be fair. That we and I think that's a result of an overfeminization of the culture, right? It's like uh, with the PC political correctness stuff. Um, well, we can't say anything that would offend anybody, right? That's a very feminist. That's a very feminine feature, right? That's a very feminine thing to do and feminine thing to say. Ah, don't say that. It's going to make somebody angry, right? And uh, I think that it is high fucking time we move away from it. And I actually think – I do think we're starting to see a pushback against it. Um, but so many people are are um, being indoctrinated with this mindset, 
right? That don't say anything that's offensive. We need to stop clapping, right? That was a big thing. Um, Not a big thing, but uh, an article came out not too long ago that talked about how clapping could be offensive to people that are disabled or that have hearing problems or that are have sensory overload issues. So you shouldn't clap at a public event. And it's just like, okay, so this is the over-feminization of the culture, right? It's like, look, I get it. You want to be fair to the extent that you can be fair. I said, but we are going so far in a direction of over-empathizing with so many people. We're over-empathizing with too many people to the point that we are going to be incapable of, I mean, we're, we're not going to have, nobody can, you know, like bring it back to the China thing. Well, you can't have leaders when everyone is afraid to offend everybody, right? We can't have a, a, a you know, a leader of a household, the leader of a small organization, the leader of a country, the leader of a military, if everybody's afraid about stepping on anyone else's sensibilities, So I say, happy Friday, and let's get this shit out of here. Let's start a a counter-movement. Let's push back against this over-feminizing, feminazi bullshit. Let's do it, baby. Let's get out of it. Um, That's it. That's all I got to say for today. Uh, You can uh, listen to my YouTube, Taylor Space Stutch, S-T-U-C-H, on YouTube. Like and subscribe every video that you see. Don't be an idiot. That's what you should do. Um, what else should you do? You can write me an email at tayradio1 at gmail.com. T-A-Y radio1 at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter, tstuch1, T-S-T-U-C-H-1. Go to my website, tstuch.com. Don't be a fool. Don't be a tool. Thank you for listening.